we'd like to welcome you back to our emergency freedom alerts for August 3rd, 2020. The next report in this is kind of like going to segue from the last little audio clip I played from Greg Everson to a pastor, Walt Mansfield, who spills the beans on how the clergy response teams will send out pastors to their, uh, are sending out pastors to their congregations to spy and to ultimately just betray them. Now, this is a little bit long, but I really felt, and I've been meaning to play this for a long time. It just hasn't quite fit in or I ran out of time and I mean, I'm running out of time today too, but this is from around the exact same time that you just heard Greg Everson talk around 2009, 2010 range. Okay. This is the guy that was one of the first ones that came out and exposed the 501c3 clergy response teams. Okay. Cause he was recruited into them and this is his story. A lot of people have referenced him and I, he comes off as extremely credible and I've only seen confirmation of what he's talking about here, but he goes into it in greater detail. But the clergy response team will play a big part in getting their congregations to line up and take the vaccines. And it just shows you what actual side they're really on, what actual side the 501c3 church is really on. And what I don't understand is that if the 501c3 church and all these ministries online, all these prophets and all these people that supposedly hear from God, if they truly were hearing from God, why? Why aren't they screaming about these mass mandates and about the coming vaccines and about how the testing kits are contaminated and all of that other stuff? Why aren't they screaming? Why aren't the pastors screaming about this? They could do research just like I can do it. Why aren't they doing this to warn their congregations? And I don't want to hear it's because they're not watchmen. The Bible says that they're to guard their flocks, okay? And a true shepherd has true love for the sheep. He will lay down his life for the sheep. If he's going to lay down his life for the sheep, he's surely going to warn them of impending danger and doom. There's more impending danger and doom in today's day and age than there ever has been. So it is a requisite feature that a pastor has to be a watchman. I shouldn't have to exist as a ministry. But I find for the most part that the, type, the teaching or the topics that I cover Hardly anybody will touch in the 501c3 church because they're beholden to the government that gave them their right to exist. And they don't want to lose that 501c3 exemption. They don't want to be whatever. And I do believe spells come over a church when they yoke up with the government like this. I don't know what's happening to them on a spiritual level, but it cannot be good. So let's go ahead and play this. And God took that final step and said, you need to step out of that vicious circle and step over here. So this is Pastor Walt Mansfield. Into the light of reality. This is what it means to be a Christian patriot right here. This is what it means to stand for the Constitution. This is what it means to hold the Bible in this hand and the Constitution in this hand. I'm not going to fight those people who say that that's not a Christian document. It's not a Christian document. But you know what? God gave us something to work on from that, didn't he? Didn't they give us freedoms in there that sounded really good? Right. Well, you know, my Bible tells me that that's where our focus is. So I began to get politically active again, but this time I was very reserved. I didn't trust anybody. My motto was trust no one. And now, I've skipped forward for the sake of time. This is like 17 minutes in the lecture. If you want to hear the full thing, I give you the link for it. Good for a while. And I began to let people in my life. And I trusted more people and more people. God called me to the ministry. I'll leave that whole story out, but he did that. And I was so blessed by that to see it happen. I was amazed what God could do with me. Because I had a lot of Bible knowledge, but the first thing I said was, God, if you can use me 
Even as a janitor in a high school, and I'll teach a Sunday school class, I'll do it. That's all I want. I don't want to pastor. I don't want to preach. I don't want to talk to people. I just want to, just want to give the word out. That's all I want to do. And he began to show me that when you give the word out to people, it changes them every which way, emotionally, theologically, spiritually, politically. Right. It's got to do that. Right. It's got to affect every, every facet of your life. If you're here today and you say you know Jesus and he's not in your politics, let's talk afterwards, okay? <laughs> if God is not the God of your politics, let's talk. Well, you're here. I, got, I think I know the answer already. <laughs> All right, so what I did is I pressed on with that. But I began to see more changes in my life. I got more politically active and more watching the news and seeing what was going on. And then I moved to Ohio. This is where God had me. And a good friend of ours, a good friend of my wife, grew up with her and said, your husband's a pastor. He seems like a nice guy. Would he like to come to some FEMA meetings? And I said, she didn't know me very well, does she? And I said, yeah, let me see what's going on. The local FEMA director, the MA director for our county, is my wife's personal friend. And she invited me to come. So I went to the meeting thinking I'll go there and blow it off. But what I heard that first meeting just absolutely shocked me. She opened the meeting with this and she just clearly said, you know, we're looking to bring people in, pastors, because we have things we have to deal with that we can't deal with because you guys are the spiritual professionals. You can talk to people like we can't. So I sat there at the meeting with another pastor, and, and I said, so what are you looking for? And she goes, we're looking to train the pastor so we can get them trained the right way to give the right kind of counseling, the right kind of spiritual mental health care in times of disaster. Mental health got me going. And I was hooked. So I went to that meeting, and I emailed, and I emailed the power hour and Pastor Butch, and I said, I went to a meeting. This is what they discussed. Would you be interested in talking about this? Okay, and that power hour, I believe, was the one with Joyce Riley, who was just on the stage with Greg Everson in the last clip you just heard. So he's probably spoken with them as well. It's just weird. It's like the same time. It's, it all came together in today's teaching that I felt like I was supposed to play both these clips back to back, particularly when Trump is announcing that he's going to force mandate, potentially, there will be a force mandate by the military, military in force, of the vaccines. So it just seemed like the right time of the Holy Spirit leading. This is where I come to the part where I say, you can do this too. You see me up here and I'm, I'm kind of dressed right. You know, I asked how to dress for this thing and I dress any which way I can at church. But here I decided to figure out how to do it. Well, at 8.30 uh, the next morning, I got the email. I sent the email out. The next morning, I got a phone call, picked it up, and the voice, real lovely lady's voice said, Hi. This is Joyce Riley of the Power Hour. <laughs> and I said, yes. And she said, would you like to go on the air? Would you be willing to go on the air and discuss what your email said? And I said, sure, I'll do that. Right now? She goes, right. I said, right now, I'll do it. Not because I wanted to. I thought, this is what we need to do. I knew, to go, I knew what sources to go to. So I'm standing there. It's 8.30 in the morning. It's my day off. And I'll be honest with you. I was in my PJs with my bowl of cereal talking on the Power Hour. You guys didn't know that, did you? <laughs> you had me behind some big desk with my file cabinets and all this stuff and my pointer. No, that's me, barefoot in my home in Lewistown, Ohio. Podunk City, Ohio is what we call it. There are 19 houses in an intersection called Lewistown. That's where we live. We raise chickens in our backyard is what we do. So I'm very keen on the idea of the bird flu. 
because we raise chickens for eggs. And our neighbors are all over us about that one. We have 27 chickens. Four of them are roosters, so that doesn't count. But we get eggs, and we do business that way. But I'm, so you can do this too. All it takes is this. It takes going to a meeting. It takes opening your eyes and saying, this is rotten that I'm hearing, and somebody needs to know about it. And that was my decision. I was torn between standing up at the second meeting, which I'll tell you about in a second, and rebuking everybody there and walking out, praying that God would send down fire on these poor people. I decided that probably wouldn't work. It probably wouldn't happen. And I made the choice to stay there and listen as they brought in a man from the state office, and he began to teach us these things. He said, what we're going to look for is how to train pastors in dealing with the individualist mentality that takes place in a community, especially farm and rural communities. Okay, so this is, I think, the second FEMA, 501c3 clergy response team FEMA meeting he was at. As you know, the cowboy mentality. And I was shocked that he would say that to us. And, and someone said, what, what do you mean a cowboy mentality? Because you know the one that says this is my land, not yours? This is my property, not yours? And I'm going, yeah, I understand that thought. <laughs> and he said... You know, we want you pastors to quell that mentality because we're going to need that to carry through with our plans for disaster relief. In the event of bioterrorism, in our area we're looking at cattle, cows, dairy cows, chickens, I guess, and lamb, and sheep, and we're looking at crops. And they said, the terrorists come to this county, and I'm laughing, going, why would they come to our county, for goodness sakes? (laughs) We have 13,000 people in the largest town, 44,000 in the whole county, and nobody cares because half the people work at a Honda. They don't care about anything else. That's the way life is where we live. So I'm sitting there listening to this terrible thing, what they want to do. And he keeps going and going and saying, you know, you pastors are the ones who can get your churches ready for any kind of thing that happens, like a quarantine. And I'm going, writing this down because he's not giving any print information. Writing it down. In the event of a disaster, a tornado, a flood. And I'm going, well, I understand we need training for that. We need to have plans for that. He goes, and the event in a declared emergency, you know, like martial law. And it didn't get this quiet at the meeting. I said, what do you mean martial law? He goes, well, we had this test in Iowa a few years back, and we found out the problem was at the local level. We got no cooperation from the farmers who wanted to give up their crops and their land and their animals. He goes, and for crying out loud, it was just a drill. They wouldn't give them up. What are they going to do when it's the real thing? So, in other words, the farmers have to give up everything they own, evidently, to the government. And that's just what they're expected to do. This is how satanic our, the mindset of our government is. Come on, you guys know what I'm like at that meeting. I'm sitting there going, is this guy, this guy for real? Is he ridiculous? Is he nuts? What's he doing coming here telling us that? Then he tells us he's from a rural community in Ohio, and he is. And he said, this is what we have to do. We have to get you pastors to get your churches prepared for something like that, something like a bioterrorism attack, a flood, a tornado, where people will have to be quarantined or relocated. And so, by the way, we use different terminology. We don't use the term relocation center because that is, that's gone by the wayside. People don't like it. We call them um, community health centers. And I said, well, that's great. One of the ladies of the meeting said, uh, yeah, we don't like to use quarantine. Are you ready for this? You write this one down. This is the perfect in some type of new language. 
When I was on the left, I thought I heard the stuff from them. These guys are terrific. Social distancing. That's a quarantine. Mic drop. Social distancing. Which you wouldn't even have known that if I would have played this last year at the same time, you'd be like, what's that? I've never heard that term. You're well aware of it now, though. So you could see, and that's a big reason I wanted to play this clip just for this one part. Granted, it's all gold, but yeah, that's how long and how ahead of time they've planned all this stuff. And even the terminology was laid out. And this is like from 2009, around there. Yeah. Yeah. Social distancing. Don't you love that one? So I'm, I'm listening to this stuff and I'm going, oh, I'm going to go nuts. I'll never get back on the air again because I'm about ready to jump up on the table. And he says, we want you pastors to begin preparing your congregations. He goes, you know, that scripture, Romans 13, oh, obey bet. your government. Yeah, now again, key in Romans 13, contendingfortruth.com, the search box. You'll find my teachings I've done on that. First thing I ask, what translation are you using? That word's not in mine. <laughs> it says authorities. I see that. I see the officials. I see that. I know where you're getting that from, but, and of course, I didn't say what the... But it, it says specifically in there, in Romans 13, that these authorities that you would obey would always be a force for good. So this would be in a good, godly government in that particular... But if you do, if they're telling you to do something against the word of God... The apostles have, have said that we would rather obey God than man. I mean, the apostles were all, if they were going along with every, all the edicts and things by the government, why did they all get martyred and crucified upside down and, and, and slaughtered and, and die other than John? And he was in prison. Jesus didn't go along with what he was being told to do. He went against what the government was telling him to do of the day. They were all martyred. Because they didn't go with what the government was telling them to do. Okay, so the context is important with Romans 13. Enthusiasm. I said, I, I know you see that. It's kind of like this. So I was trying to play dumb. And I said, well, how do you figure we're going to do this? He goes, pastors will be listened to by their congregations. They have, you have their trust now. And so if you've got their trust, you've got their ear. If you've got their ear, you've got their hearts. And they're going to listen to you. And I'm not paranoid. And these slime bags oh, across the board, these, these, these people that are recruiting these pastors, these clergy response teams, are in mass trying to get all these pastors to betray the trust of their congregations, to betray them on really every level, to spy on them, to compile information about them, to lead them to the slaughter when it is the right time to tell them to go along with whatever the government tells them to do. So have you seen the 501c3 church in mass coming out against these mask mandates or against the forced vaccinations that are coming or against all of this garbage that's going on with the testing? Have you seen any of that? Because I haven't. I really haven't. I'm, I mean, I've seen some people in alternative media and, and others in alternative media that aren't even Christians coming out against it, but I don't see the 501c3 church saying to peep about it, any of it. Raising, this is what he said. And I said, you mean to tell me that we're going to preach this? He goes, yeah, and they'll learn and they'll listen to you. 
I got Pastor Butch's tapes on Romans 13. <laughs> they were sent to me, and I said, I could, I could preach that. Yeah, we have a good time with that one. My folks already know where I am on that one. That verse that says, render unto Caesar's that which is Caesar's, the exclamation is kind of in the wrong spot for too many preachers. They want to scream, render unto Caesar. Mine is under Caesar what belongs to Caesar. That's all he gets. He doesn't, he doesn't get my children five days a week. I got them. He doesn't get my church. That's the way we operate. Right. He doesn't get my wife. Because he's not 501c3. <laughs> and if you are, they get your church. Whether you want to believe that or not, you're under that control mechanism and you're under that demonic influence. And I do think that's a gigantic reason why these pastors are so gilded universally across the board because they're under a spell from coming into league with Satan, essentially, yoking up with him and the government in order to have their right to exist as a church. And they don't, they don't see the demons. They don't see the chains that are on them. And then they just go and put those same demons and those same chains on their congregants. And they're not seeing what's happening to them either. Well, again, they're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices lest he get an advantage of us. One of the greatest devices Satan's ever devised regarding gelding the church has been the 501c3 corporate status of the churches. You know, since, I don't know when it started, 1940s or whatever. So one of the greatest tools of Satan. Get everything that belongs to me or belongs to God. It all belongs to God. But Caesar's not getting any more than he's due. And that's about that much. All right? So, so what I liked about the meeting, that was just... That was just the beginning of the meeting. Then he said, we're going to train pastors in mental health care, but we know that pastors have trouble with mental health care, so we're going to call it spiritual care in times of disaster. Sounds good. You know, it gives you a chill to think this is what's going on. And I don't remember the title of the booklet, but I have the training materials with me. It doesn't have all the real juicy stuff, but what it has in it is enough to just make you sick. Because training was offered to pastors. The first thing that happened was that Cards were sent to every pastor in our county, 74, 75, 76, something like that. And I think upwards to 44 responded over a two-week period. Yeah, I'll come. I love what you're going to do. Four questions. Okay, so 70-some churches, 44 responded. Is that representative of what's went on across the country, by and large? Which would be more than half the pastors are in the clergy response team? Remember, they're never going to tell you this. They're sworn to secrecy. You could go up there and, I mean, unless they're, they're being honest with you, but they're, I believe they're sworn to secrecy. They're not supposed to re reveal this to their congregants, which, again, why, if it was some, some good godly thing, would you have to keep it from your congregants? It's like they don't think, you know? And a lot of it, too, is the, the brainwashing in the cemeteries, the seminaries that they, they go to, you know, where they're saying, yeah, well, we're 501c3 college and you need to be a 501c3 church and go along with the government, obey Romans 13. So they're brainwashed. I'm not cemetery trained. I've never been. I've never been, been anything 501c3, nothing. No designation, no nothing. Never been that way this whole time. And God's taking care of me. You know, I don't have some big, gigantic, 
corporatocracy like you know a lot of people do but i don't want it you know i'm just trying to reach as many people with the truth as i can and finish the race strong at this point and i figure i'll let god open the doors and, and do what needs to be done in the meantime i mean you you, you get too big and it, it becomes i think too hard to actually keep a handle i mean i'm i'm about max capacity right now is is with all the emails i answer and all the information i'm trying to process and then putting up i mean these have been six hour teachings now every week and the newsletters and oh it's and then just having your regular life you're trying to live on top of it man it's with no life you know it's it's not easy man it is definitely not an easy thing but god's giving me the grace and the strength in order to do it and i'm not complaining but um anyway let's just keep going had any training in disaster relief have you had any psychological training as a counselor? Have you had any mental health training to do this? And would you be willing to come for training? And right across the, stop, right across the top of the card is our county's name, Emergency Management Agency. They knew what they were getting, and they responded. So I sat there at the meeting, and God in his infinite wisdom has a stack of cards right in front of me. And, I, and we're at the meeting. I said, can I look at the cards? Sure. I got every pastor's name. I got what they checked. I got why they said they did. And I found out things about our local pastors that just broke my heart. A lot of them had had no theological training, but they'd had a lot of training in psychology. Oh. A lot of training in mental health. Degrees in these things. Certifications in these things. Some guys are personal friends of mine through ministry. I'd already, make, I'd already made that break with... How could you do that? How could you have a church and have no theological training at all it's all psychology psychobabble when you learn about freud and in those devils kinsey maybe how does that work last year because i got really tired of having prayer meetings where i'm not too sure which god they were praying to oh so i decided to break fellowship with them i got really tired of the word being torn apart by some of the local pastors you know i got tired of that i got tired of being told because we're not seeker sensitive that we're against people who seek after God. No, that's not the way it is. You know, I don't do my impersonation of seeker-sensitive pastors for you. I want to do it for you. I do it for my church, and they get a kick out of it because it just bugs me sometimes. Seeker-sensitive pastor's role is this one. This is why I don't do it. Y'all come Sunday morning as you are. If you leave the same way, that's okay. <laughs> that's what I have to call a seeker-sensitive pastor, one who would not preach the word or teach the truth. Yeah. One who will stand there and say, we just want you, we want your numbers, we want your money, we want you in a seat, we're going to call ourselves a church. Ugh. Not the way it works. Not the way it works in our church, and not, not doesn't work in God's church that way either. No fear of God. So before training, we were offered training on Monday, May 15th. The Thursday before I got this rushed letter in the mail that said, because of the avian flu scare coming around, and because a movie on ABC... Now, this must have been like 2000. 2006 because that's when i was you know the latter part of 2005 you know that around that that's when i think you get the avian flu thing 2005 2006 maybe even a little bit before that i did the, the tour in 2006 kind of at the height of that fervor so this has been going on a long time is what i'm trying to tell you. we're in 2020 now so this has been a good 15 years and you could probably go back i don't know how many more years before that when these when these uh, clergy response teams started forming. Now, I've done several studies on just key in clergy response 
in the keyword search box at Contending for Truth. You'll see studies I've done all the way back, probably going all the way back to 2006, where we play you like news clips where they're openly announcing it on local news that this is going on. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable scare people we're having what's called a catastrophic emergency operations team meeting how's that sound i'd like to get that letter in the mail on thursday knowing the meeting is friday so i went to the catastrophic emergency operations team meeting and what i began to hear was exactly what bill had talked about that he had gone to on a regional level but I got it here first on the local level. That's where I heard it first. He'd already gone to the meeting. Our guys had gone to the one in Columbus, our, 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 all our local officials, fire chief, police chief, uh, coroner, all that. And I began to hear some pretty crazy things coming out of that meeting. I began to hear that local preparation includes getting people to sign up for Citizens Corps because Citizen Corps would get people involved in managing people in times of crisis. That's what we were told. If you want to see that, it's right here in print where it says that local prep includes getting vaccinations for citizen corps people oh. if you sign up for citizen corps or medical service corps which is under citizen corps what you get you get first crack at all the inoculations all the vaccinations and all the drugs like that's a good thing but that will require require it of you if you're part of these these systems and i guess these devil pastors that yoke up with the government to do this the 501c3 pastors they're going to sell out their congregants willingly happily and merrily uh, and are doing it and have been doing it uh, evidently they think that I've, i believe they've been told you'll you'll be you'll be the first protected uh you'll be safe we'll take you you'll get the first of the vaccines they think it's a good thing they're probably going to be taken off to be slaughtered just like with their congregants when it all comes down you know just like the brown shirts were but or the the hierarchy of the brown shirts because they were the ones that were over the the other the lower level brown shirts but they were all slaughtered night of the long nights by hitler and they were you know they were supposedly good nazis well it's most likely going to be night of the long nights for all nice for all these sellout devil pastors and then it's going to be hellfire for eternity on top of it because i don't believe a one of them say you can't tell me you're going to do this to your congregation and you have such little regard for the body of christ that you would do that you are you have had your conscience seared with a hot iron you've been turned over to a reprobate mind and you're not even you're you're insane you have no fear of god whatsoever and some of us are going good let them have them <laughs> Let them have them. We don't want those things anyway. Exactly. But that's what they told the pastor. See, here you go with the vaccine issue again. And this is a totally separate person talking about this, relating the FEMA, the, the 501c3 FEMA closure response team. And one of the main cruxes of it is when the disaster comes, the vaccines. And this was back in 2005, 2006. At this meeting, if you pastors sign up for this training on Monday and you get through the training and you get your ID badge and you get fingerprinted, and your social security number goes off to Columbus and then to Washington, D.C. and to the CDC is where your number goes to. Then you, too, and your families will be first in line yeah. for medication and vaccination. There you go. Yep. I tell you, I started remembering some of those names on the cars. I thought I was going to call them up and say, yeah, I got to go. <laughs> gotta you see how pertinent this is to the, this whole COVID-19 thing as well? I mean, it's just absolutely segueing into this information. 
those things, you know, the guys who turned traitor and ran to FEMA like that. Well, you know, I just, I heard that and I got kind of spooked about it. I decided well, I'm going to get more information. So I faxed this stuff off to other programs, other people. Pastor Butch and I have been throwing stuff back and forth when it works, when it gets sent there. We have a lag time in that one. I'll leave him all this information so he can post it on his website. In fact, if you want copies of this, there are two ways to do it. It's the training manual and it's the meeting on avian flu if you want to see these. You can write me for it, email me for it. My cards will be floating around here. They're in my pockets. You can ask me for those. Email me directly. I'll send it out to you. Uh, no charge. I guess that's the way it works. That's the way it should work. If you want it from Pastor Butch, get online. It should be posted at some point. Okay, and you'll see all the training there. Get it for free. But the words are there. The role of the health district is a program called Pills in People's Palms in 48 Hours. <laughs> that means uh. that 48 hours after an outbreak, after the government discovers there's an outbreak here in West Virginia, well, let's use my county, Logan County, there's an outbreak there. Within 48 hours, every single person will have pills to take. That's what they tell us. So I raise my hand. Is that Tamiflu? Is that anti-flu stuff? So help me, the... the health director said this, almost said his name, I can't say his name on here. He said, he said, we're not quite sure what they are, but we know they're there to help. <laughs> how fast does cyanide take to work? I don't know. I don't know how it works. <clears throat> That's what he said. I was, I was stunned by that. So I waited to figure out what was going on there. And then he said, well, we're really at the bottom of the food chain. So our county is not going to get any help. We might as well figure the bird flu hits here. We're not going to go anywhere with it. We're not getting vaccinations. We're not getting this stuff. And he goes, so I highly recommend if you want this, in, this, this, this medical help for your, yourself and your family, become a Citizen Corps volunteer. I am one. And he began to list all the people who were in Citizen Corps. In our little county, I was told, we had 1,600 volunteers. For, you all know what Citizen Corps is? Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? 1,600 people, over 1,600, signed up for this thing. I didn't know any of those names. So sitting at this meeting, a lot of people sitting around, and trust me, I believe with all my heart, families and churches and even communities should have some kind of disaster plan for some event at some level. I understand that. Firemen need to know how to get to the fire. Ambulances know how to, ha need, need, how to get around floods and hurricanes. We get all kinds of stuff in our counties. The, 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 the ice storms come, trees crash down, roads are blocked. So you need game plans. But this goes way beyond the game plan, guys. They're not talking about how to contain anything or how to eradicate or how to get people medical attention. Medical attention was not the priority at this meeting on that Friday. The priority was, what are we going to do with all the dying and dead people in our county? The estimates are on here for our county. Your county, if you have an EMA, will have the same program right here, the same PowerPoint program. I'm on the radio with this gentleman, uh, with, with Bill from Pennsylvania, and he starts saying the very same thing I saw. Clear across into Pennsylvania, a countywide, a regional level. And I'm getting it locally. I found it happened in Columbus. So I'm sitting at the meeting, and I hear with a chilling thing, this is what I hear, to the local EMA director from the coroner. He says, one thing we have to look at at the meeting that we just haven't really got talking about is where we're going to put the mass graves. Nice. for our county. Where the county is going to set aside that land. I want to tell you something. If you're going to plan for something, why are you going to plan in that much detail? That scares me half to death when I hear those plans. They're saying upwards of 1,600, 1,700 people will die in our county if the bird flu comes. Now, 
you know what the bird flu is anyway, so don't worry about it. But these people are saying this is what they're planning for. They're making plans for graves, making plans for pastors to come in and do their work. And I said, so pastors are going to be there to give counsel to the family? Well, yes, but one of the roles the pastors are going to play is at the crisis, is at the community centers. And that's calming the people down to let them know we're not taking people off to die somewhere. We're taking them for medical treatment. Oh, yeah. The same thing they just told us they couldn't provide. And so I'm listening to this stuff, and I'm going, these people can't be that sick or crazy. I know these people personally. I know them by name. People from my church who are here know their names. They work alongside them, but this is what we're getting. So that's the kind of stuff going on on the local level. But the training itself had these kind of words. Let me rush into this one. This is the, this is the oath that we have to take. You all have heard of the FEMA oath? Let me read it to you. You'll love this one. My wife said, never put your glasses in your coat pocket because you look like a fool digging them out in front of people. <laughs> Bear with me. I want you to know that your FEMA, your FEMA oath is in your state statutes. FEMA does not have a federal oath. FEMA's not stupid. FEMA wants it to make it a state's rights issue. Don't you love that one? They want your state to develop it, but it's still to FEMA. And this is what it says. It looks pretty good except for one line. It says, I, whatever your name is, do solemnly swear or affirm, for you people don't like to swear, that I support what it says, that I support and defend the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the State of Ohio, your state, against all enemies. I love this one. Ready? Foreign and domestic. When I took that oath in the Army, I said, good, I'm out of the Army. They didn't make me take the oath back. That means I'm still opposed to my domestic enemies. That's right. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will obey the orders of the governor. That I take this obligation freely and blah, 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 without mental reservation. You take this, you nuts. Because you're making an oath not just to the Constitution, not just to uh, enemies foreign and domestic. You're taking an oath to your governor. And your governor is in charge of the National Guard. And your National Guard will be in your county to enforce the law. I asked the question, what about pastors? I mean, how are you going to go up to, and they gave this scenario, you're going to go to Farmer John, tell him to put his rifle down and let his cattle go because they're diseased. That's our job as pastors. And I said, why us? Because they know you. The community trusts pastors. I'm not nuts. They don't like pastors. I'm supposed to go to quote Farmer John, his words, not mine, and talk him to putting his rifle down so we can take his cattle, get his, get his farm, or quarantine all his stuff right there, close off his county road, lock his family up, send them to the community health center, whatever we're supposed to do. And I was supposed to aid in that. And I said, well, what if it gets rough? And the guy said, this is a, that's a law enforcement issue. I said, what's law enforcement? He goes, that's up to your local sheriff's department. I said, what do you mean our sheriff's department? He goes, well, they're backed up by the governor. So there's your oath right there. You listen to the governor. That's what will happen to you. That's what it says. Let me read a couple of things to you for training. That was told in training. One of the rules for pastors is this one. This is on the training sheet. It's on page five. You can see this one. We're to be, uh, let's remember, the first rule of spiritual caregiving in the healing ministry is the same as medical and psychological intervention. Do no harm. He defined do no harm for us. It's not in print in their printing, but this is what he said. Do no harm for a spiritual counselor is this. Evangelism, Bible reading, 
is not particularly helpful at this time. I am not. You know how hard it was for me to sit there and listen to the Word of God be denigrated like that? To take my Lord and tear him apart like that? To take the name of Almighty God and trash it like that? It was horrible to hear that kind of thing. We did something that was quite exciting. One of our drills that we did is we psychoanalyzed uh, Bible characters. We went through the fall, Adam and Eve, and we had to find out where the crisis was, how a good pastoral counselor could have aided these two. <laughs> Give me a break. On site at the crisis that you're in, pastors are to introduce themselves. By the way, if you don't take the training, have the badge, a tornado rips through our county. This is one of the disaster things they showed. Now, they got off the idea of bioterrorism in a hurry when they started talking about National Guard and dealing with Farmer John. They said, if there's a disaster place to go to, this is what's going to happen to you. If you don't have a badge, Pastor, you can't come in. If you're at home and God tells you to go minister to those people in the crisis center, you're not allowed in here unless you've got a badge. You need the training. You need to be fingerprinted. That's what they told us. That's not it, though. You're to introduce yourself. I'm a pastor working as a chaplain. He said, add this to it. I'm here with those who are professionally trained, psychologists and mental health professionals. We can help. Us, we pastors may not be, handled, be able to handle all situations, so you may have to turn them over to a real counselor. This is the killer right here. This is about what I'll close with. This is in print. You can't see. I'm holding it up for you. During a time of crisis, people do go through a crisis of their faith. Sometimes quick mention of God and Scripture may not be helpful. As we all know, the Scriptures has been used to oppress and dominate people. <clears throat> if you must use Scripture in prayer, make sure it's not to uphold your pastoral authority. Wow. And these are his comments. This is in print in the manual. All right. This is our local manual that we understood was going nationwide. This man came from a meeting where he met with representatives of 26 states let me correct, so I said 13,000 counties, before it's 1,360 counties across the United States where they're going to put people training through this, pastors. Now, pastors are going to be sitting here listening to this. Allow people to discover their own pathway to God in a crisis. <laughs> yeah, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Good pastors allow clients to find their own way out of depression. Yeah. Now, this was his personal comment. He goes, personally, gentlemen, this is the way I feel about it. We need less scripture and more love. Talk. They just want lukewarm. They want lukewarm, spineless, uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. Hirelings, like the Bible talks about, that have no true love for the sheep, but the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. If you're a pastor, you should be willing to lay down your life for every person in your congregation. But these are the exact opposite. They're hirelings that have no love for the sheep, that are doing it for the money, that are doing it to save their own behinds, because they're going to be first in line to get, you know, not go to the FEMA camps and, and they think and, and not get the vaccines as long as they sell out their congregations. Well, the Bible says in, in Revelation 3 that God will vomit the lukewarm out of his mouth. And I don't even know if you could call them lukewarm. I mean, they're just flat satanic. But it had been better that they had not known the way of the Lord, the Bible says in Hebrews, than, they, than to have known the Lord and to have turned. And I don't know, I'm not saying they've ever known the Lord, but if they're out there putting themselves out as a pastor, 
and representing Christ to their congregations. It had been better that they had never known the Lord at all because their end will be worse than those that didn't know and plunge into hell. And I'm paraphrasing here, but the Bible essentially says that in Hebrews. Been far better that they had never put on this Christian facade and use that to make a living and to, um, you know, take advantage of these people. I, I can't, I mean, talk about no fear of God. It's in genuine faith. That's the training that pastors, I hate to tell you this, are signing up for left and right. They're signing up for this. They want their name on the dotted line when someone says, what are you doing for our community, pastor? I'm with FEMA. Here's my badge. Oh, I'll help you in a time of crisis. I can't, yeah, you're, they're, they're false, exactly right. Oh, it's horrible. I'm going to take 30 seconds as fast as I can. And let me give you this. You want to know who these people are? God tells us who these people are. The Bible says the these are without clouds water. without yeah. water. <laughs> He's are... going into the exact verse that I was just saying. <laughs> Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars yeah. to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And, and again, while they promise them liberty, I'll continue in another part. While they promise them liberty, these, these wolves in sheep's clothing, these these pastors that are nothing more than hirelings while they promise them their congregation's liberty they themselves are the servants of corruption and for of whom a man is overcome the same he is brought into bondage the problem you run into is that you can go into these churches and these pastors that it can just seem nice as pie and oh how sweet very much unlike me kind of because i don't really come off that way i'm more i'm more of like a watchman type of mentality and I understand that I know we, we should exemplify the love of Christ in these types of things, but I'm also a watchman and I have to be blunt in what, because these truths much of the time are brutally hard, as you know, if you're, if you're a listener of mine, okay? And it's not my, it's not even in my nature to be this way. I don't like necessarily, I, I'm just, I, I'm more of, I'm more of a, uh, to be quite honest, I'm much more of a peacemaker. If like you knew me, um, and, and I'm just like, I don't have some big threat on the horizon or whatever. I'm much more of a peacemaker. I'm much more of in it, in as much as possible, live peaceably with all men. That's much more my natural disposition. It's not constant warrior battle mode. I want to like, you know, bring my battle axe out and go to war. I, I know it kind of may seem that way, but it's really not the way I am. Okay. Um, now I totally got off track there, but it's just, it's insane. What's going on here? But these syrupy sweet pastors lure these people in and you know they themselves are the servants of corruption while they promise them liberty they themselves are the servants of corruption they're they're um and this is i guess now the norm i mean could it be that more than half of the pastors in this country are in this secret program he said in his his home county was 72 churches 44 of them showed up Okay. And they were in there, and I think that was the second meeting, so I'm assuming that they're part of this. So let's just say 50% for argument's sake, and that may be very conservative. Serpy sweet, they seem like the nicest people. Oh, they, I mean, they're compiling a database on you, and, and they're selling you out, and they're thinking that they're doing God's service. But the Bible says there's going to come a time when they that kill you are going to think they're doing God's service. 
They're so deluded and so deceived, and unfortunately, it's so the norm now because of the apostasy in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, right before the wicked, the Antichrist is revealed. And they, they have been given over to strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, and they're teaching that same strong delusion to their congregations, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, because these pastors have no love for the truth and no fear of God, but had pleasure and unrighteousness. It is a really super scary thing to contemplate this whole thing. I, I, it's, it's, it's really almost impossible. False prophets that Paul warned the Ephesian elders about. Yep. He said, from among yourselves will rise up false yep. prophets. Exactly. Will rise up ravenous wolves who will seek to destroy the church. Yes. I want to tell you right now, your job is this. You don't have to question your pastor if you're in a church. If you're in a church, you know your pastor. Well, look out for those other pastors, the wolves. Not the wolves in sheep clothing. They're yeah, but what if, what if your pastor is secretly one of these? You're never going to know unless God like, supernaturally reveals it to you. That's the problem. Now, we know who they are. Scripture tells us three times in Ephesians to stand and to stand firm. That's what you are to do. Yes. When God called Gideon, he chose all these men, not, not, there's way too many. He ended up with 300. Yeah. When Gideon got him to the gates, he said this, you're to stand there with me and do this. They chased him later, but they stood there first. You want to vanquish FEMA? You want to vanquish the enemy? You stand firm on the ground that God has taken for you already. Right, right. That's what you are to do. Because that's all you can do as an individual. You can't just, you know, swoop down and change this whole system. But whatever God's entrusted you with, just be faithful. With whatever God's put in your, and I, again, I'm not saying this to overwhelm you, so you go out and whatever, but just be faithful with what God's put on your plate, in your lap. And that's all that really God can expect from you. God owns it. And as you do that, you do in the power and the might of Almighty God. Nothing will change you. We may not win this victory the way we see it, right. but if we're martyred for it, God sees it as a victory. He'll be the victor. Amen. God bless him. God bless him. He doesn't really have a, a website. Um, I did find one website. It's christianpatriots.org. And he's got a little, there is a, if you look up Pastor Walt Mansfield, it does come up, and it's a it's a really like the things that are on here seem to be kind of old, like the reports on here, um, a little bit more about what he's talking about there, a little bit maybe more updated. This report I'm looking at is from 2015, and so, but it's it's a lot of the same stuff that he covered. Um, I wish there was more out there on him but anyway okay so moving on to the next report is entitled no jab no job new england journal of medicine one of the preeminent the, the same new england journal of medicine that said d that you know masks are, are not going to protect you i've read that quote before it says everyone needs to be vaccinated for coronavirus in order to go back to work which is what fauci is saying, and I think Trump is also saying it in not so many words. Now, this was the plan all along. Preliminary culling of Christians who won't accept the mutagenic technology of the beast. A new, a new paper published by the New England Journal of Medicine attempts to make the case 
that people who refuse a future vaccine for the Wuhan coronavirus should no longer be able to work or make a living. <clears throat> In order to enforce compliance with potential vaccine mandates, the paper entitled Ensuring Uptake of Vaccines Against SARS-CoV-2 states that substantive penalties need to be imposed, including loss of employment as opposed to fines or criminal penalties. And this is just the first layer, though. This is how they ease you into it, evidently. Suspension of employment is supposedly a less coercive way of achieving compliance. The paper contends adding that the state mandate should not be structured as compulsory, compulsory vac vaccination, like an absolute requirement. Instead, non-compliance should incur a penalty. Nevertheless, because of the infectiousness and dangerousness of this hoax virus, relative, I mean, I'm not saying it's not real, but as far as the risk is just beyond uh, low, we've got into that in previous studies, relatively substantive penalties could be justified, including employment suspension or stay-at-home orders for persons in, in designated high-priority groups who refuse vaccination, the paper states. <clears throat> this would seem to align with President Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed initiative to unveil a fast-track vaccine for the COVID-19 virus by the end of 2020. And realize, guys, you know, if this if this comes out in the end of 20, we could be, like, they will most likely start to implement this stuff. We could literally be months away from this, where this is actually we're something that we're facing Trump has stated that the vaccine will not be mandatory, but perhaps he has a similar plan in mind. But then again, has he? Because this was written before what just came out that Dave Hodges covered, where the vaccines will be forced. His own verbiage via the military. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, <clears throat> less than half of they're saying less than half of all Americans plan to get vaccinated for the coronavirus. Now, that's something that. I do mention it a few times in the prayer points, but that's something that you would want to pray about. Mass non-compliance for the masks, the testing, the and especially the vaccines. And this has the medical deep state perturbed. The paper takes additional aim at vaccine refusers, which are said to include more than half of Americans. <clears throat> it authors lament, I mean, man seriously half i hope that's the case but you know it authors lament the fact that most americans want nothing to do with the covid19 jab and instead are choosing to rely on their god-given immune systems to keep them healthy now i'm not 100 percent sure where they're getting that but this comes from big league politics which isn't like some alternative i'm pretty sure it's you know more mainstream <clears throat> in contrast to earlier phases of the pandemic though we currently have some time on our side that's what satan's saying Careful deliberation now about state vaccination policy can help ensure that we have a strategy when the breakthrough comes, when, yeah, the breakthrough vaccine comes, right? The agenda seems to be as follows. Scare the people into fearing the virus so much that they willingly accept a vaccine for COVID-19. If this does not work, then threaten to take more away of their freedoms and liberties, including their right to work as an incentive to force compliance. Almost nothing could be more draconian and anti-American, and yet this is what the medical overlords have planned for society if they can successfully persuade, persuade politicians and employers to cooperate. And again, this is why mass non-compliance and prayer about this is so important. Because you don't want to wait until, you know, a week before and <laughs> it'll be too late. <clears throat> 
if the medical deep state can make the case for vaccines are the only way to un- overcome the pandemic, then much of society will be maybe willing to accept this new order as a way to return back to normal or at least some semblance of normalcy. The WHO is also on board, having declared that the vaccine may ultimately be instrumental in controlling this worldwide pandemic. Yeah, right. COVID-19 is being used as an excuse to justify all kinds of big brother overreach and power grabbing. Bureaucrats and scientists are not about to let this crisis go to waste. Uh, So we have that. Now, then we have this. um, Expose Bill Gates, day of action, August 8th, which is, I don't know, about when you hear this youtube please join library.tv follow us the conscious resistance and you can find us at bitshoot.com slash the conscious resistance as well so point of this video august 8th saturday august 8th two weeks from today two weeks from the day that I, again before we go any further i need to make sure you get the point of this video august 8th saturday august 8th two weeks from today two weeks from the day that i'm recording this video we are having another international day of action to hashtag expose Bill Gates. You guys may remember we did this. When did we do this? June 13th. So it's been over a month now. It'll be just about two months now when we're returning for August 8th. And on that global day of action, that international day of action on June 13th, we got uh, hashtag expose Bill Gates. It was trending all over Twitter. It was trending online in general. There were several articles written about it from RT and others. Of course, we had it all over Facebook. We had it all over YouTube. Uh, channels like the Corbett Report, um, uh, Jason Burmis, I know that Activist Post, uh, Wake Up News, Mind Unleashed, so many other platforms that I've associated with and friends with stepped up and they did some work to promote this as well. What I need for you guys this time, those of you who are listening to this, two things, two main things. The first one, which I think is really important for us to help grow this again, <clears throat> excuse me, and to make sure that we can get it trending again, is to Bother the heck out of your favorite content creators. Go over to Spiro's channel. Go over to Jason's channel. Go now, over to- this guy, just so you know, is mega new age, okay? But it's a good thing he's trying to do. I just want to warn you, if you go to his website or whatever, he's mega new age. We are changed. Go over to BitChute and find Dan Dix. Go to BitChute and find David Icke. Go to um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Go to all these various people and tell them, hey, there's another hashtag exposed Bill Gates Day. Hey, hey, let me bother you. Let me email you. Let me comment. Let me uh, pick up the phone and call you if I have access to that and say, please, please use your sizable audience to promote this cause. It's not about left. It's not about right. This is not a conservative thing. This is not a right wing thing. I hope people get that. And it's not a left wing thing either. But it's about everybody coming together to recognize that Bill Gates, for one, himself, but also Bill Gates as a symbol and what he represents, especially in the time right now, what I'm about to show you guys in a couple of minutes, uh, where he's talking about vaccines, <clears throat> and we're literally, excuse me, <clears throat> we're literally three months away from them bringing the first 100 million doses here to Houston, or not to Houston, but to the United States, and then a couple months after that, with Operation Warp Speed, 200 million doses, and by January 2021, 100 million doses. And if you guys watched my video from the other day, I showed you that Donald Trump said the military is going to be distributing these vaccines all around the country, and as we're going to see... They're not spending this money for nothing. They're not spending this money, so we're there, in other words, to take no for an answer. You know, they're they're going to um, try to strong arm society any way, shape in any way, shape or form they can in order to get full compliance on this. So this is very serious. Uh, 
you know, very, very, very serious situation. Moment, Bill Gates is now saying multiple doses of these vaccines are needed. Yes. Let me see if I can pull up that article. Um, so the point is, once again, like I said two months ago, we have a crucial window to get people to pay attention to who Bill Gates really is and what he represents, which, look, I'm going to tell you guys, it's a eugenics agenda. It is a eugenics agenda that is, uh, it's eugenics philanthropy that pretends that himself and these other philanthropists like the Rockefellers and from the past are really out here to help the people when they have a completely different agenda involved. And even if you're not ready to go to that level of, you know, research, if that's not, if you're like, ah, I don't know, Derek, I don't like what Bill Gates is up to, but I don't really quite believe in the eugenics thing. That's fine. Okay. What I want to recommend you guys do then is to go over here to The Last American Vagabond and to read my three-part article series, lastamericanvagabond.com. You go over here to Bro's series. You see this? Bill Gates' Web of Dark Money and Influence. And there's three parts in there where I go here through here. The first one is very mainstream. I would say I just talk about his philanthropy and how he uses his money and his connections to keep getting richer while supposedly giving away his, his riches. The second one, we look at specifically at the COVID-19 operation and how many people who are involved in this thing, Fauci and many, many others, who are connected to Gates and the Gates Foundation in one way or another and how his money... Uh, along with the Rockefellers and others, are, are influencing this and are guiding public health. The third part of the series gets into that deeper aspect of things. We talk about Event 201. We talk about the Rockefeller connection that Gates is actually connected through his sixth cousin to the Rockefellers. Um, and then they, they have more and more connections. We talk about the Rockefeller lockstep document. And, of course, we get into the eugenics discussion. My point is Bill Gates is not who he is being promoted as. Here's our flyer from last time. August 8th is the date, though, this time. August 8th. Guys, put it in your calendar right now. Put it in your phone. You have two weeks. So as I said earlier, I have two goals for you. The first thing, the first request, contact all the people you know who are involved in uh, content creation and media and, you know, big channels, YouTube channels. I named a few. Let's get Mark Passio involved. I'll reach out to all my friends. But it helps if you guys do it, too, and you put pressure on them as a, uh, you know, as a content consumer and as a supporter and say, hey, Mark Passio, hey, Dan Dix, hey, Amazing Polly, hey, Really Graceful, and whoever else that you know has talked about Bill Gates and that has a, you know, a, a, a stake in this, encourage them to participate, to at least make one video promoting hashtag Expose Bill Gates all over the world on August 8th, right. two weeks from today. Right. So that's the first thing you can do for me. Go bug the heck out of and all again, your other... it's not two weeks from now because... You know, I'm playing this later. Um, you know, the eighth is is going to be five days after I post this video, Lord willing. Content creators, if you create content, if you are a content creator, if you have a channel, if you have a blog, if you have a podcast, whatever, I'm happy to come talk to you about it. Or I just encourage you to make the materials. We're in the process of making a new flyer for August 8th. Uh, we might use the pie in the face thing. And I wanted to make shirts a while back. Well, we're going to do it again. So. We're bringing back Expose Bill Gates, and I need your help. The first part of the help is to encourage all of your favorite content creators to get involved, to make a video about it, and not just to do online activism, guys. Despite the pandemic, or probably in spite of and because of the pandemic, we need to be getting out there in the streets um, more than ever. You know, we need to. Yeah, and like I have like the, the sheets that I give out is primarily on the masks because that's the thing that, you encounter the most when you go out but there's a, the the fact sheet that i have the one the one um page printout it's always well received because i just i'm i'm real nice and i just say oh covid here's some covid 19 updates 
and uh, they're like, oh, oh, you know, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not confrontational. You don't have to be, but you're trying to light, continually light brush fires in the minds of men, because if you can get them understanding the mask issue, and actually there's some other things on that fact sheet that I have posted, but you can email me if you need it and I'll send it to you. Uh, I have it in word format, but, um, I give that out everywhere that I'm going. I put it with my orders now that I send out because it's a good ice breaking tool. Now it doesn't get as much into the vaccine issue because we're not, we haven't really encountered that yet. That's coming. And that fact sheet will probably change. It's, it, I kind of revamp it a little bit. Sometimes, you know, every two or three days, I'll put something in it or I'll have to take something out because I can't, I can't fit any more text on the sheet itself. But that's one thing you can do. But, you know, there's a myriad of different ways you can reach out to other people because it, if, if the alternative is people lining up for the shot and, and all these draconian agendas that we've been talking about today being implemented, if, if there's not enough uh, pushback. So um, I gave his website, it's in the, um, I put it in the, right below this, Exposed Bill Gates Day. And it's the conscious, the conscious resistance, one word, dot com. Now, remember, he's new age, but he's got an email list that you can get on for free. And just like I do, and keep you abreast of what's going on with whatever he's doing there. So I just signed up as well. Uh, <clears throat> then we had this break this week, which I would have to say is answer to prayer. Walmart, Home Depot, and others will reverse policy and will allow unmasked shoppers. Many of the nation's largest retail stores are reversing their decision to force customers to wear masks after week of weeks of confrontations between employees and customers. According to CNN, Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, Home Depot, Lowe's, and others have decided to allow customers without masks to shop at the stores. CNN claims anti-maskers have sparked violent incidents at stores restaurants and other businesses over the requirement to wear them well it's i guarantee you it's not been the anti-maskers it's been the anti-maskers being confronted by the sheeple um mind-controlled pro-maskers in a violent way and then it escalates the anti-maskers are never going to confront anybody i'm not going to say something if somebody's wearing a mask that's their right but they want to impose their right on me and it's like, well, you're wearing a mask. You're protected. What does it matter what I'm doing? Yeah, I mean, they don't work anyway, but I mean, you know. Anyway, however, confrontations have been provoked by anti-maskers and pro-maskers. Like, again, the, the, the problem always comes from the pro-maskers. Always. You know. Walmart plans to place health ambassadors at store entrances to remind customers to wear masks, but will not deny them entry if they refuse to put one on. Now, Greg might... My buddy that we go and pray, he just went into Walmart the other day, evidently, and um, <clears throat> this was after this came out, and they gave him more hassle than ever. The guy was the, uh, a guy was at the front there and hassled him to the point of saying, "You can't go in," and I'm going to call the police. So I'm I'm a little bit confused on this one. You know, he walked in anyway, and he, and he didn't end up calling the police, but you know, it sounded like he had never even dealt with that before and that's after they made this announcement i don't know if this is like a big head fake but you know i wanted to at least throw that in there then we have another little short video from the healthy american peggy hall played some of her videos last week and it's entitled a hard work is paying off she just got denied boarding a plane uh in california regarding the mask issue and she's going to be 
suing them, and she has a whole series of videos. It, it literally inside the the terminal, you're 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 hearing other people get in her face, and and then afterward, the aftermath of it all. Um, she's pretty amazing, I'll tell you. She's something else. She's got a very very good attitude about this whole thing. Uh, I'm gonna let her talk about this. Hey friends, it's Peggy Hall here from thehealthyamerican.org. Just a quick Facebook Live for you, and I wanted to give you a couple of really great pieces of news. So the first thing is that, yes, our message and our hard work is really paying off. You may have seen that Walmart and Home Depot and a couple of the other big retailers have said that they are not going to hassle you if you are not wearing a mask. Now, we want to take that a step further, and we want to institute some mask free shopping hours. I've spoken about this at length. I realize that some of you think that is kind of giving in, but actually I want to shop without looking at people wearing a mask. And I don't want those germs to be carried around and I want to be able to have a nice, free and easy, normal shopping experience. We what she means by not having those germs carried around is because the masks become reservoirs for things like bacteria and virus. The longer you wear them, the more they become these reservoirs for the very things they're supposedly trying to prevent. I mean, these surgical masks, from what I read, they were meant to be wore in, in sterile environments for short times during surgery. They're not meant to just be casually when you're walking around, footloose and fancy free and, and going about your business. And, and they're not really meant for that purpose. And um, <clears throat> so I think that's what she was in reference to there be focusing on sprouts this coming week and now, sprouts is evidently a store they have out there i've never seen one but i'm assuming it's some type of a health food store uh i would think with a name like sprouts you know um but i think that's what she's in reference to um from time to time we are going to shift our focus to one re retailer at a time and sprouts is going to be our number one campaign for education and information and hopefully they will be listening to our messages and they will be taking action and if they don't then we will need to do something like you know holding signs at the store but first we want to work with education so the second good piece of news is that in california the governor actually came out and said I can't make a mandate. That's right. He cannot make a mandate. And I want everyone to hear that. I'm going to be putting up a YouTube video where I'll show, uh, and those who are watching this on YouTube, you'll see it also, where uh, the governor actually comes out and says, I can't mandate anything. And that's because he can't mandate anything. And I've been saying that for weeks. And it's very important that we are listening to the language and that we are not swayed because down the way they're going to condition us to believe that a governor can mandate something. Also, I had an amazing meeting where I was able to meet our sheriff in Orange County and we are going to be doing some events where there will be educational events for small businesses. And we're going to start this in Orange County and then take this on a larger platform to help educate small businesses so they'll know how they can stay open legally and lawfully. We need the law enforcement on our side. We also need to have government officials on our side and uh, legal uh, input so that people can actually maintain and operate their businesses. Small businesses are the backbone of this country. I'm a small business owner. I know many of you are. And so I wanted to share that good news with you. I, I normally don't come on at this hour. I'm going to be scheduling some live Facebook um, lives 
and some other um, videos on a more regular basis so you'll know when to tune in. I just wanted to share this good news with everyone. I thank you for your support. I thank you for asking where I've been. I've been working hard behind the scenes, meeting with government officials, law enforcement, businesses, legal, all getting the information and resources to bring to you. I do have- So she's really going after it. And yeah, we need legions of, of people like her um, and again, that's Peggy Hall, the Healthy American. You can, I give you the video here, the link. But if you just can, Healthy American Peggy Hall, uh, and it, it shows it'll. You'll probably find it online to her websites. You can. She has a free email list as well. So that would be another one you would really want to get. You really want to stay connected because, as they take away all the social media, where you're able to actually post truthful videos about things. Um, if that doesn't get you like kicked off of those platforms, you know, then you go to jail or whatever they, whatever things they have. It's more important than ever that we stay connected in some way, shape or form. And I think instinctively in the back of my mind, I always knew it was going to be email. It was probably the last bastion of things they were going to be able to eliminate. I, I, when I first started the vestiges of this, of this ministry or, or the first beginnings of it, it was probably back in like, I don't know, 2000, oh boy, um, two, 2000, I think, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and it was just an email list and it was primarily, I think back then, mostly on health things. And I knew in the back of my mind that I always felt like email was going to be something that you were just going to continue to do because it was a way you could always get a hold of somebody via their inbox without having to rely on them to come to your website and if there was something cool you had breaking you could always email it out and then they would be aware of it and then that might direct to the website and i also knew it would be harder to censor that not to say that can't be done but i was always leery about going up on any of these platforms because i knew they were cia data mining platforms all of these things like facebook and twitter and instagram and, and those types of avenues i knew that they were going to go you know, the way of the dinosaur eventually. And now YouTube has been taken totally over pretty much too as well. Now, granted, I understand these, these videos are on YouTube, but if you try to find and do keyword searches now, almost every single uh, search engine has been taken over as well. And you try to do keyword searches on YouTube to find truthful videos. It's very, very hard to do. The AI has taken over to a large extent, and that's what we're battling right now. A lot of this AI uh, garbage so the last video for this segment this just broke this is Dell Bigtree on Alex Jones again I'm not I'm not advocating Alex Jones okay but again there are a lot of times he has guests on there and things of this nature and a lot of his reporters too I mean uh, will go after Trump Alex rarely goes after Trump but some of his reporters are pretty good about it and uh, that David guy the you know, one of the, the older gentlemen, he's, he's pretty, he's really good about going after Trump. Anyway, this Bell Dell big tree human immune system has a 99.74 success rate against COVID. And that's based on the whole 2.6 or point, I'm sorry, 0.26, uh, percent chance of dying from COVID. And again, that's with padded lying statistics. So, yeah, but if you do if you do the inverse of it, the human that means the human immune system has a ninety nine point seven four success rate against COVID nineteen. So I'm going to let him talk. 
here's the deal. These vaccines are, are extremely, extremely dangerous. Only, you know, 0.26% of people should even be considering this vaccine. They're the only ones that are risk- But again, that, that's ridiculous because, I hate to say this right back, but those 026 that would die of COVID-19, the last thing in the world they would, they would want to get is the COVID-19 shot because that would actually put them over the edge. It's just like the flu shots put the elderly people over the edge in the flu and, and the nursing homes, and that's what kills them all off. And that's why they shipped in the COVID-19 patients to the nursing homes on purpose, by design, knowing that that would be, you know, they got one foot on a banana peel, one foot in the grave. That's going to be the last thing that kicks them off into eternity. And they knew that that was, especially if they can get them on a ventilator, that's really going to do it. So, you know, I don't, I don't agree with any vaccines at all. Death, what you have to recognize is 99.74% of us are not dying from this. And most of us have got to take a test just to find out we have it because we have no symptoms. And you'll, I want you to watch this. They're slowly backing away from the, you know, what I've been calling the vaccine unicorn. We're going to find the unicorn. This is now a chihuahua with an with a ice cream cone glued to its head because the FDA is saying we will accept a 50% success rate now with a vaccine that we bring forward, which is absolutely useless. If not, if, think about, here's what I want you to know. Your own immune system is beating any vaccine or drug that we have ever seen. We have never seen any drug on this planet with a 99.74% success rate. The human body, the God-given body you have, or the evolutional machine that's been designed perfectly, however you want to look at it, has a 99.74% success rate against this virus. drug companies have been attempting to make a coronavirus vaccine. Here's what's amazing and I discovered in our research. Every single animal trial by all of those different drug companies and different approaches to a coronavirus vaccine had the same result. In every one of the trials, they used ferrets. It's a popular animal. I think it has a similar immune system to human beings. They gave them their trial COVID or coronavirus vaccine and the animals seem to be doing just fine. They would have said it's safe. Look, the animal's fine. Vaccine didn't hurt them. They even checked their blood and they were having robust antibody production, meaning it looks like it really works. And they're probably all jumping up and down in their laboratories. But here's what happens. In an animal trial, you're allowed to go one step further than you're ethically allowed to in a human trial. That's called a challenge study where they actually put the animal in contact with the virus. Can't do this with human beings. But they put the ferrets in contact with coronavirus and every single one of the trials had the same problem. Instead of the antibodies protecting the animal from the coronavirus, the antibodies actually helped the virus attack their own immune system, right. and it overreacted. They had so this is what would happen if they gave it to the 0.26, you know, that are supposedly succumbing from it. Okay, but it creates this. The, the vaccine would create this gigantic, like autoimmune response is what it sounds like where the body attacks you know itself and goes into this horrible uh mode that it gets into and that by itself if you had somebody with a compromised you know immunity and elderly and these types of things would put them over the edge and most likely be all it would take to actually kill them off serious upper respiratory conditions organ failure what's called a cytokine storm meaning the immune system sent their body into inflammation and brain all over many of the animals died it was so catastrophic that in these trials you'll see at the end a caution that says 
we should be very careful moving forward with human trials. Well, now we have just skipped all the animal trials and we're going into these small human trials that will never have the challenge study part of this. So what I'm saying is we are rushing a vaccine that was deadly in the animal trials. And this isn't a science fiction movie. This is really happening. Dale Bigtree is an award-winning producer of shows like Doctors. Uh, he's won Emmys for it. He also has the award-winning documentary Vaxxed. And he also has the show The High Wire. Dell Bigtree's with us on Twitter, Dell Bigtree, thehighwire.com. He's here with us right now for the next hour and 20 minutes or so. This historical time, I have to pinch myself before I go on air every day, that owners of hospitals, clinics, doctors, scientists, epidemiologists, Rockefeller uh, University scientists, uh, they go public, they say basic things that are true. They say, hey, they said 2.5 million would die, it's 150,000. They're putting people that died of automobile accidents in the thing. They're counting flu deaths as this. And they get banned. And now Sundar Pichai is in Congress two days ago going, yeah, we take orders from the UN. And if they say it's not allowed, we don't do it. And Fauci, who's been wrong about everything, right. is like up there on TV yesterday saying, yeah, we should censor doctors in America this feels like jumping the shark. Dale Bigtree, what do you think is happening? I think it's uh, one of the most outrageous moments in American history. We are watching the American dream on fire right now as we speak. I think that you have real crimes against humanity taking place. This is Nazi stuff in my mind. You, you know, or let, let's just let's look at this Tuskegee experiment. This is what I get asked about all the time. You know, we had African-Americans that had syphilis. We had a cure. We didn't give it to them. One of the tragic moments of the CDC, the NIH, where Fauci works. Well, that's happening right now. You've got hydroxychloroquine that is is being shown to be successful in 65 studies internationally. You have the Ford Medical Center, which is one of our best research hospitals uh, that came forward after a study of six of their hospitals, randomized study, and they said half the people died uh, in the uh, hydroxychloroquine group than those that died that didn't receive it, meaning we would have half the death rate had this nation used hydroxychloroquine. And now you have you still have Fauci coming out against Ford Medical Center. He's got no science to push to it. It's incredible. At, and and I think, it, honestly, he's putting it all on the line. you got to hand it to the guy, because now if he's wrong, when we prove that he's wrong, when the world finally says hydroxychloroquine was the cure, we got to put these guys up for trial for murdering hundreds of thousands yeah, of Nuremberg trials. Absolutely. We're not Absolutely. just saying that. I agree. He's got hoods, but I've never seen. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, he is doubling down for whatever reason it is. This agenda is so powerful. I mean, I've been saying they're, they're all in, like I've said. It's, they're all in. They've pushed all their chips in, and they're going to go through with this, and I, I don't see them backing off. I, I, I mean, unless God intervenes, and I, I really believe that that's, that would be the key, you know, um, they're not going to back off. They've got billions invested in this. They're... They've just got to continue. I, I think they realize that if they don't go all in with this, so many people are, are, are educated now or getting educated. They're finding out the truth. They're, that what's happening is, is they're, they realize if they back off again and they give us another year, there's gonna, there's gonna, uh, they're going to achieve, we're going to achieve a critical mass of people that are awoke enough and to this situation where they're not going to go through and they're only going to have more problems in the future if they back off again.
So they're they're I think they're just of the opinion we don't care. We're pushing this thing through. We don't care about the non-compliance of people. We'll deal with them later. We're going to brainwash the masses as much as we can. We're going to shove this down their throats. We don't care what the consequences are because we realize if we back off and we don't do it now, we may not get another shot at this. I believe that's why they're doing this. Long, the agenda is to force vaccinate every adult, every person in America. And now they admit it. And, and now they're admitting, right? They're telling you, you will, we will not let your lives go back to normal until there is a vaccine. We are going to destroy this, you know, this economy. And however long it takes, we will not let your kids go back to school. We will not let you have the life you had before until our vaccine agenda is fulfilled. And, and, and that it's an RNA, DNA vaccine that goes in and reprograms yourself? I mean, it's terrifying, really. I mean, it, it's hard to wrap your head around what's happening. The Moderna trial. No, I, I mean, even Alex Jones can't do it. I know. I mean, I mean I'm getting to the point where I'm just like, well, this isn't even real. This is even real. It is, it's a failed concept. For decades, I've been working on mRNA vaccines. But everyone in the Moderna trial got sick, okay? Everyone had an adverse reaction. The high dose had severe adverse reactions. But what's happening in their bodies, Alex? This isn't a piece of a virus how we usually make a vaccine. We didn't just put a little piece or a, a, a dead virus inside where your body's kind of like, what is that? And it reacts and maybe you have a fever. They'll say like all, you know, they, they excuse that you're kind of getting a little light They're version giving of the disease. you the disease. Yeah. They're basically giving you data. There's basically this data code. Now they're going in and rewriting the book. Right. They're rewriting your book. Why are you getting sick? What about rewriting your book is make you sick? They don't know. That's what's crazy. There's giant lab experiments. Oh, I think they do know exactly what they're doing and how they're rewriting our data, which means by that he's saying rewriting our DNA. They're doing it by design on purpose. They don't want you to be fully human anymore. They don't want you, you know, they want you to be as defiled as possible on every single level because this is defiling you on a spiritual level as well. It is a giant lab experiment that's failing, and they say, well, there's not long-term events. How do you know? Well, Dale, we always feel guilty about rats and guinea pigs being tested on. You don't look like a guinea pig to me. I don't guarantee, bare minimum, you, 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 you will be sterile, and your offspring will be sterile. This is, a, this is crazy. It is crazy. These are real human beings. And, and look, I hope they're being paid well. I hope they were told right up front that animals died when we did this in animal trials. So you are risking your well, life. Let's talk about that. When we come back, we should probably pull up the CBS clip where they go 80% are having bad reactions, 20% are going to the hospital. And, and it's like, but it's not a problem. This is all safe and effective. Oh. Dell Big Trees, our guest, stay with us, ladies and gentlemen, and tell folks to tune in now. Welcome back. I'm Alex Jones, your host. Del Bigtree is a very renowned, award-winning documentary filmmaker, TV show producer, journalist. And he fell down the rabbit hole many years ago looking into vaccines. And now they don't deny that vaccines can hurt you. Now they're just saying we're coming and you're going to take them one way or the other. So you've got the floor here. You're on fire. Yeah. And we're so honored to have you here. You see how much consensus, though, there is in what we're talking about here today across alternative media platforms. Pretty much all saying the same thing I'm saying today. A lot of different people saying the same thing. And this is what the people like Fauci and those that are pushing this the hardest, uh, the Illuminati, the globalist elite, this is what they're fearing the most, this mass awakening that is taking place. You know, that dummy Facebook account I've got, I go up there and check, and it's virtually, and I know this isn't the same for everybody, but it's virtually, um, I mean, everybody's pretty much on board with 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 um going against this 
at least the people I've, I'm looking at, it's very encouraging. And these are people that that never even got into stuff like this before. Posting about all the horrific stuff about what's coming. About exposing Antifa, Black Lives Matter, this vaccine agenda, the mask agenda. Uh, sometimes even the testing. It's very encouraging. And these are just normal, everyday people. So that you know, don't have a ministry, don't even have an alternative media platform. And they're, they're cluing into this. And, and I do believe it's, it's causing the other side to double down and go into full panic mode. Thank you. In studio with us, uh, Gates and the world awakening to him and his eugenics agenda and the skipping the animal trials. And, 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 and David Knight has a big article on InfoWars, the three phases of the lies with the vaccine and all the huge health problems and people being paralyzed on the vaccine. And they're just going to deploy this, they're saying, by December and start injecting everyone? How are they going to cover that up? I mean, amazing, right? You got you got uh, Tony Fauci out there saying that, well, we just don't see the safety in hydroxychloroquine, even though it's been safe for 65 years, given to pregnant women that are breastfeeding. Okay. That's Again, I don't agree with that whatsoever. Key in hydroxychloroquine and key in side effects. And that's from drugs.com. They're, they're not... Okay, that is not a safe drug. And there is a demonic component with that drug because a lot of the symptomatology are of a, um, particularly chloroquine, one of the main side effects is suicide. Okay, a lot of very aberrant, weird behavior can occur. I don't want to hear about, you know, I know the one lady, and I'm going to play her clip later, the the um, lady that's treated 350 patients with hydroxychloroquine. 350 patients, no, no side effects. Okay, right. I don't believe you that there's no side effects from 350 patients. And if there's no short term, I don't believe there's not going to be any side effects long term. Okay. The point is, is that we don't even have to go that route. Why is it that we have to have some drug? to beat everything when all you would need and the only reason the drug works is because it drives zinc into the cells that's all hydroxychloroquine does i mean there's herbal forms of quinine which is where we derive hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine there's there the herbal form of that and i've given you the links to that you can buy it on ebay it's it's the prices have come down substantially or even tonic water the active ingredient that gives us its bitter taste is quinine. Now, you're not going to get a therapeutic dose in there, but, I mean, it would help drive zinc into the cells. But what if you do the zinc with the vitamin C and the calcium and the iodine and the D3 and, like, some mild silver protein? What if you did all those things together? Vitamin C, I think, is the most important. And with the zinc, I mean... You wouldn't need any of this stuff. You wouldn't need the whole, well, we give them zinc, hydroxychloroquine, and z pack a very heavy-duty antibiotic, okay? Yeah, I'm not saying that's not going to cure it. I'm not going to sit here and say that won't cure it. But why do we have to go that horrible medical route where, you know, you take the antibiotics, it kills all the flora in your intestine, it devastates your own immune system, and then you become dependent upon cycling out antibiotics. It will create repeated candida infections in the bloodstream and with women a lot of times with female things you know it's a fact it's a fact that's what that's how antibiotics work why do we have to go that satanic route yeah in an emergency if it was like the last resort and you'd done all the nutrients which you know i mean i guess if they were 90 and they had done all the nutrients it still wasn't working as well yeah maybe you could rely on that but it's just not necessary 
but you know it's just hydroxychloroquine i'm so sick of hearing about it because there's just such better ways to do this that will have no side effects hydroxychloroquine from what i could gather it looked like it had about 100 and some of them were extremely serious and there have been class action lawsuits where uh, I, I know the military was given, I believe, either chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine, where they were suing the government for giving it to them for malaria. Um, a number of people had committed suicide. I think it was the families suing them. So I'm not going to buy the fact that hydroxychloroquine doesn't have side effects. All drugs have side effects. Every single one of them. Safe, they believe that drug is. But when we have everybody getting sick in the Moderna trials, uh, sickness in the Oxford trials of, of AstraZeneca, the two different uh, top-running contenders of the vaccine, they say, Fauci says, I'm not concerned about, I'm not concerned about the adverse events. And we're going to get this out to the public before we're done with all the safety trials. And I've been looking at the safety trials. Alex, you've never seen a bigger mess of webs of, of, of hidden, I mean, they, they got all these branched off And roots. even CBS is like. Shocked. Like, wait a minute, uh, uh, right. 80% are having bad effects, 20% go to the hospital? Right. I mean, serious. And it's like, oh, the FDA, they'll do a good job. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and yeah, Bill Gates saying, well, if the FDA isn't pressured, they'll do a good job. By the way, I just. <laughs> anyway, they, that goes on for, uh, oh, up to the 70 minute mark. We just played to you about the 10. So if you want to avail yourself to that, it's, it's a good interview. They get into a lot of stuff there. A lot of it's redundant on what we're covering today. Um, that's all I have for part three, and we're going to go to part four next.